Your name, O Lord, our salvation, our life, our glory. The light of the world that lights up our life. We bless you, mighty King. We bless your name, ancient of days. If you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost, just pray in the Holy Ghost for the next 30 seconds. Father, you are the faithful God. You are our, the, our Father, the one who keeps us, the one who provides for us. Father, every hunger that we have, you satisfy with your word and with your breath. Father, we just ask that you take your place today in the mighty name of Jesus. As this word comes forth from your throne, we ask, O oh Lord, that it shall find fertile ground in the mighty name of Jesus, that it shall be a seed that shall bring forth 
that every heart will be productive in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Just raise up your hands and decree these words. I have a seeing eye. I have a hearing ear. And I have a perceptive heart. The word of God will find its place in me. It will germinate and bring forth to the glory of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say you're welcome into God's presence. When I was told to come to church, I didn't know I was going to see someone like you. Tell them, tell them. I did not know I was going to see someone like you. I see over you the glory of the Lord. I see over you the light of the Lord. The Lord is reigning. And I see his reign in your life. I see his reign in your life. The power of the Lord's love is at work in you. I was glad when they said we should go to the house of the Lord, right? This is the house of the Lord. And I see the Lord move mightily in you. Shout hallelujah. The Lord is good. Amen. His mercies endure forever. You see, it's a beautiful thing to be in the presence of God. How many of you have heard that before? It's a beautiful thing to be in the presence of the Lord. You see, the word of the Lord is what makes us to be alive. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, that which ignites and brings forth the revelation of heaven is what is encapsulated in my words. So when I speak them, it finds root in you and it takes you to the place where I am. It gives you that which I possess. It gives you that which emanates from the depths of my being, which is light. He said, in him was life and that life was the light of men. The light of the world came to light men up. That's why he said, ye are the light of the world. Amen. Just say it, I am the light of the world. He said he, the father had life. He then said he gave his son that he might have life in himself. And then the, now, the word now says, he that has the son has that same life. Everything is so that you might have what the father has. So that you might be where the father is. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That place is where the father is. And he's saying, come up here. Come up here. When he was speaking to Ezekiel, come up here. Don't stay there. Come to where I am. I don't want you away from me. I want you to be where I am. I don't want you to be the dust of the earth. I want you to be high in me. That's why he said he has lifted him. He has lifted us high. We are seated high above every principality and power. In other words, he gave us authority that supersedes authority. The light of the world. Makata Senterebus. Jetetetabarabaha. Oh, Father. You are Lord. You are Lord forever. You are Lord forever. It's always a pleasure to be amongst brothers and sisters. Can you imagine? 
Yes, it's hard to imagine. But can you just think about it? Though we are seated here, we are not here. <laughs> Though we are here, we are in another place. Said the Son of Man who is in heaven. We are here, but we are also in him. The glory of his word. Uh, 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 Papa, welcome back, sir. <laughs> uh, last week, we were wondering where, we, where you were. <laughs> uh, it's a pleasure having you back, sir. God bless you. Um, the leadership of the church, God bless you, Ma. God bless you, sirs. Um, Last week, we started something. We started a new series on the act of worship. And we started to deal with the subtopic of the fear of God. We spoke about the origin of worship. We spoke about the fact that the first time we hear worship mentioned in the scriptures, the first time we hear worship mentioned in the scriptures, Abraham said he was going to be tested. And then he called that test, that examination, worship. And at the same time, we don't see a single musical instrument. We didn't hear him say he was going to raise up a song. So music is not worship in itself. Our music, our songs are an expression of the working of his spirit within us. An expression of that which the Lord has done. Amen. We also said that the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. So we, we, can, we the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. Second Timothy chapter one verse seven says this: God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And that fear, the fear of the Lord, does not have torment. You are, you are not shaky. When you think about the fear of the Lord, you think about respect, reverence, honor. A better way to think about the fear of the Lord is awe. When you just stand and you are amazed. The fear of the Lord. You know, it's important. You know what people fear by the way they talk. You, you, you know what people fear by most of their prayer points? You know what people fear when something superstitious comes out of their thoughts? Oh, more. Those people in Ghana, they've done it again. They have done it. They have struck again. And for those of us that compete, we say, Honey, it's like your people have started again. <laughs> They've done it. Let's open to let's open to First Corinthians. Quickly go there. 
chapter 8. Now, the thing is this. We must recognize that apart from God, there is no other. Apart from God, there is no other. Now, we'll just read from four quick verses because this is well, supposed to be for last week, but let's get, let's get on with it. First Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 4. Therefore, concerning the things, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom all things are all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we live. However, somebody say however. There is not in everyone that knowledge. You see, this knowledge thing is always, is always the issue. You, you know, when he was talking in, is it Hosea? My people, they perish because of lack of knowledge. It is that knowledge thing. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some with the consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. In other words, what you know, what you know, it is called the law of connectivity. What you are conscious of, you connect to. So if you are always conscious of an idol, you will be connected to that idol. If you are conscious of sin, you would always fall into that thing you are conscious of. Consciousness creates connectivity. That is why words lead us to connect with the Father. We begin to decree our expression of faith to him. Lord, you are victory. Lord, you are light. Lord, you are glory. And then we are connected to the consciousness of the Father. Those words take us to that place where he is because that is what invites his presence. That is why he says that he dwells in the praises of his people. Why? Because the words create consciousness. We all have to get to that point where we let go of the consciousness of all these things. These are called superstitions. Old wives' fables. For us, now this might, it might be real for them in African traditional religion, but we do not bring that into the church. We do not bring African traditional religion into the church. Here we consistently preach Christ. We consistently preach him and the power of resurrection. And then as you walk, as you talk about his life, about his power, you create that consciousness and you know nothing else except God, except Christ, except your father, the connectivity that you have with him. It's all about him. Not any spirit of Delilah, spirit of any, all those, all those nonsense. 
It's about him, the spirit of... No, 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 but let's be serious. If anyone here can point to a single scripture where Paul, where Peter spoke about any spirit, bring it up. Christ came and demolished all those things. Says, he that is in Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All, not some, not a few. All things have passed away. Magadea. I know some people will be looking at me saying, this guy doesn't know. Take it from me, I know. If you are from Africa, you definitely know. To take it up a notch, if you are from a royal family, you definitely know. So nobody should tell me that I don't know. In fact, <laughs> I'm not here to preach stories. Let's keep going. <laughs> so what is the fear of the Lord? The beginning of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And we said that it is, that particular scripture is called uh, synonymous parallelism. In other words, what that is, is this two, the two sentences within that same verse are practically saying the same thing. Practically saying the same thing. And we said, since the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and it says the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You could also say that the fear of the Lord is the knowledge of the Holy One. Or the fear of the Lord is understanding. Or understanding is the beginning of wisdom. Synonymous parallelism. And really, if you think about it, understanding, you have to have knowledge to first understand. And then, wisdom is a higher form because it is the application of ability to apply wisdom, applying knowledge. Understanding is just understanding. But when you are able to apply that knowledge, it's a different level. A different level. That's why it says understanding is actually the beginning of wisdom. So synonymous parallelism, any way you look at it, both sentences mean the same thing. And again, we said that it causes us to depart from evil, sin, iniquity, Job 28, verse 28. And it leads us to reverently, respectfully, and cautiously guard. Do you know what God has given? It is not something you are going to work for. Neither is it something you are going to qualify for. It is something that he has given. So how do you guard it? How? And then we spoke about Moses being a steward. Remove your feet, Moses. Recognize where you are standing. When it comes to holy things, you have to be careful. Remove your feet. Where you stand is holy ground. And I said, if you have ever been in a bush, even with your shoes on, there's trouble. And then you are told to remove your shoes in a bush. It means you have to be looking at the floor to make sure at least your feet are safe. Now, let's take this further. Now, we're going to be talking about why we need the fear of the Lord and how to fear the Lord. Why and how? Uh, we're going to be reading quite a number of scriptures. Daniel chapter 1. 
Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 to 20. Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 to 20. Now I read. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the present appearance of the youth who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. Say he tested them. He tested them. At the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youth who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youth, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, say every matter, every matter, not some matter, every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. Amen. We see here Daniel being in captivity. He was in captivity. Captivity. Captivity is not an excuse. Neither is trial an excuse. He was in captivity. In the midst of that captivity, he purposed in his heart that he was not going to be defiled. He was not going to be defiled. See, verse 12 said something. It says that he... And his friends told the commander, test us. You see, this testing thing, the testing and the trial thing, is consistent with the nature of God. He said, test us and see. Now, the boldness he had to say, test us, was because he was assured that something had been done. He was assured that he himself had been tested. And that no matter what, as he goes through this, he will come out. So test us. It doesn't matter what happens. 
we know what the outcome would be. So we see in Daniel and his friends that they had a sense of responsibility. And this sense of responsibility was also tightly coupled to their intimacy with the Lord. They were willing to sacrifice all to safeguard their sanctity. They put safeguards there so that they will not be defiled. So that they will not be corrupted. Daniel. Let's keep Daniel aside. See? Bam. Bam. There's another man. Hey, this one, this, this one is on another level. Joseph. Joseph, let's read from verse, uh, chapter 39. We're just going to read two verses here. Genesis chapter 39, thank you. Genesis chapter 39 from verse 7 to 9. And I read. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. Now listen to this. How then could I do this great evil and sin against him? Against him? Against him? How then could I do this great evil and sin against? Whose wife was, he, was, was asking that he might sleep with her? Potiphar, right? Potiphar. Okay, so who was he saying he was going to sin against if he succumbed? Who was he concerned about? Who was he concerned about? See that heart. How can I do this wicked thing? Against God. He didn't even say, I'm trying to keep myself pure. He said, how can I do this wicked thing against God? He didn't say, ah, if, if Papa of the house catch us. No. He said, how can I do this wicked thing? You see, you see something? You see a man that had a knowledge of the father that even though any, something was presented to him on a platter of silence, nobody would know is a lie. Nobody would know is a very big lie. Because the first person to know is you. The next person to know is the person else. <laughs> now, you see, if Joseph had the opportunity to preach the word to Potiphar's wife, do you think that she would be able to receive that word? Do you think that Potiphar's wife, probably who has a few friends, who hears, let's say Joseph does become king or whatever he was promoted to, the king's regent, and he's going all holy, holy, holy. Do you think for a moment or for a second that Potiphar's wife 
might go tell her friends, forget him. She might not say, she might not say, I tried, but she, uh, of the two of us, she said, a friend of mine told me. Uh, of course, that's, what, that's what always happens now. He's a friend of yours. Do you think she would have had, he would have had the boldness to confront her with the message? So there's no such thing as nobody would know. Never. That's the first lie. Someone knows. And the first person will be you. So turn to your neighbor and say, someone will know. Whatever, you know, you know the scripture, the scripture is very, it's very funny. It says, whatever is done in the secret, shout it on the rooftops. <laughs> someone will know. But we see here an intimacy with God. God was not theory to Joseph. He was real. He had had revelations, an encounter. He said, I know my destiny. I know what God has called me to. And for Joseph, he knew it wasn't about him. There are generations that will learn from my family. God selected my father. God selected my fathers. God selected us. This is not about me. This is generational. He had a sense of respect and responsibility. When God gives holy to a person, he waits until you have a sense of respect and responsibility. And then when he brings the tests and the trials, he waits to see if you have a sense of respect and responsibility. He knew it wasn't about him. Now, when you think about Joseph, they will tell you Joseph was a heavy type of Christ. Heavy type. Joseph was loved by his father. Jesus was the beloved son of his father. Joseph became a servant in Potiphar's house. Jesus, though he was equal with God, he took the form of a servant. Joseph was tempted but did not sin. Jesus was tempted in all ways but was without sin. Joseph was bound and put in prison. Jesus was bound. He was given to the Gentiles. Joseph was condemned with two criminals, the baker and the cupbearer. Jesus was crucified with two criminals. Joseph became the regent ruler of Egypt. Jesus, God has highly exalted him. Now, these are just a few. There are many. I, looked, I was just looking for those that went in order. But there are about 75. 75. Joseph was sold for silver. Though his was 20 pieces, Jesus was 30 pieces of silver. Betrayed by his own brothers and sold to foreigners, Egypt. In Egypt, 
Jesus was betrayed by his own brothers, the Jews, and given to Gentiles. There are many. It wasn't about him. He knew it was going to be generational. They took his hope and they stole it from him and they put blood on it, right? Jesus, they took his hope and they divided it into four pieces. You can keep going on and on and on. Joseph, such a mighty man. Not much is said of him. Such an awesome man. So why do we need the fear of the Lord? <laughs> Without the fear of the Lord, there will be no sense of responsibility. Not one sense of responsibility. The fear of the Lord, number two, gauges our intimacy with the law. I, I'll just do it and ask for forgiveness. You know that that person has lost, he has, he has lost it all. He's, that person is just carnal. The, the fear of the Lord gives us access to the depths of God. The depths of God. <laughs> Only those that fear the Lord will value his instruction. The, you see, Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearl before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. You don't give what is holy to someone who will not value it. You only give that which is holy to people that will value. Just raise up your hands and say, Father, thank you. For you have entrusted me with your spirit. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for trusting me. And the fear of the Lord is our defense against the lure of sin and iniquities. So let us look at Joseph and Daniel again. What is the effect of the fear of the Lord? The effect. We see in both Joseph and Daniel that they were both successful in all they did. <laughs> you know, when David said, where can I hide from you? If I go to the depths of the hell, there you are. You know, if I... <laughs> Joseph, when he was sold as a slave, he was successful. He went to the dungeon, he was successful. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a successful prisoner? <laughs> Joseph was a successful prisoner. He was exalted to the palace, he was successful. Everywhere he went, he was successful. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You will always direct your path. What about Daniel? Daniel served four kings. They estimated that he was in service, in government service. And he was not just a small boy in government service. He was at the height of government service for 70 years. He served three different regimes. He served Babylon. He served Medes. He served Pressure. <laughs> All because of the fear of the Lord. A desire not to defile himself. Number two. They were wise. They were wise. God gave them that knowledge. And they never boasted about it. They just said, 
doing this in service to the Lord. They were wise. In one instance, I think the Lord, uh, the, 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 the king wanted to interpret the dream. He wanted to interpret, he needed the interpretation of the dream. And then someone had said, ah, let's call Joseph. This man would interpret it. Then he said, ah, the person that interprets is the Lord. Just tell me and we will see. He never brought attention to himself. Humble and wise. I haven't even started. <laughs> Absolutely nothing negative was written about them. Nothing negative was written about them. See, the fear of the Lord acts as a safeguard against safeness. So how do we not fear the Lord? How do we not fear the Lord? <laughs> Job chapter 1 verse 1. Ah, that's the time has gone. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just run through this. Job chapter 1 verse 1 says there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job and that man was blameless upright fearing God and turning away from evil so you see in the life of Job we see that Job truly was a man that feared the Lord he feared the Lord but the thing with Job's fear was that his fear was based on incorrect second-hand knowledge. Incorrect second-hand knowledge. We know this because he repented after God corrected him. If you look at Job chapter 42, verses 1 to 6, Job chapter 42 from verses 1 to 6, it says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Why did he have to repent? Because Job was trying to defend his righteousness before God. He was trying to defend his righteousness before God. He looked at himself. He had put some safeguards in his life. Rightly so. But he was promoting himself before the Lord. Let's see some of the things that Job said. Job chapter 31. And I'll just read to verse 4, but you can read when you get home to verse 15. It says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? I'm too holy, man. And what is the portion of God from above? Or the heritage of the Almighty from on high? Is it not calamity to the unjust and disaster to those who work iniquity? Does he not see my ways? In other words, does God not see me? And number all my steps. In verse 5, he even goes on to say, If I have walked with false food and my feet has tasted after deceit, let him weigh me with accurate scales. See, he was, he was looking at himself that I don't deserve this. And we see here that Elihu, the only friend of Job's, who 
God did not rebuke. Had to tell Job in Job chapter 32 verse 2. Job chapter 32 verse 2 that do you think this is according to justice? Do you say my righteousness is more than God's? And then we see from chapters 38 to, verse, to chapter 41 that God had to recalibrate Job's focus from himself to God. So God starts to say, where were you? How dare you talk like this to me? Time is fast spent, and I, in all honesty, I haven't even gotten to. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so I'll just, I'll end here with how not to fear the Lord. I'll end with how not to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord must be based on the accurate revealed knowledge of the Lord. The fear of the Lord must be based on the accurate revealed knowledge of the Lord. Any fear based on incorrect knowledge will lead to wrong behavior and a faulty relationship. Incorrect knowledge of God will lead to transactional Christianity. Uh, Lord, look now. I have done all this. I have done all this. Why? But why? Look at my sister, Roslo. The two of us started. The both of us serve in, okay, we can say praise and worship. Look at how you are blessing her. But why now, God? I have served you faithfully. I, I come earlier than herself. The chair that she's going to sit on, I'm the one that dusted it. The toilet that she's going to use, I'm the one that washed it. Why now, God? I have done everything right. But why now? Transactional Christianity. But what God tried to teach Job here is, I'm not blessing you because of what you've done. That is my nature. Yes, the things that you are doing, and please, the fact that I said that doesn't mean you should stop. <laughs> it is right to do that, but out of service to the Lord. Not service for what the Lord would give, but service to the Lord. God blesses because it is his nature to bless. Christ is our righteousness. Please, never look at yourself. We must never boast about our righteousness. Self-righteousness is as filthy rags. That is not how to fear the Lord. You don't do things to promote one's Holiness. That said, turn to your neighbor and say, that said, our Christian testimony must not be shameful. Turn to your neighbor and say, that said, yes, it's all about Christ and his righteousness. Our Christian testimony must not be shameful. People must see us and be attracted to Christ. They must see us and be attracted to Christ. Even Paul calls us written epistles. We can put safeguards. We can put safeguards. And we are meant to put safeguards. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. But those safeguards are not our message. Our message is always Christ. May we rise up on our feet.